we had decided a few weeks back in a uh, in our men's business meeting that we it's been a little while since we kind of talked through the what we would call the plan of salvation, but what does it take to uh, be in a covenant relationship uh, with God, and what what does that look like in scriptures? And uh, so we'll begin that this morning, uh, and we'll begin uh, with here. Uh, Matt will talk about uh, believe uh, in the next hour, and then uh, so on until we kind of until we get done. But um, this is really where it all begins. But I'd like to uh, read a passage we read last week uh, out of Second Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians, beginning in chapter one and in verse seven, and to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. You know, so we, you know, if you look there in verse eight, it kind of gives us, gives us an image. Uh, what's going to take place at the end that Jesus is going to be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels there in verse 7 what's he coming to do he's coming to take vengeance on those who do not what who do not know God and on the on, and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ and so essentially that's what we're going to be talking about uh, beginning today and going for the next couple of weeks is um, how do we obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ how do we how do we know God but uh, more, how do we obey the gospel? What does that look like? Uh, what do we need to do? Uh, what are the steps that we need to take uh, to be in the right relationship with Him? Go to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. You know, I've got up here, you know, you, if you think about, uh, you know, obeying the gospel, well, the first thing you got to do is hear the gospel. And so, you know, we're going to talk about hearing today. Uh, and, you know, like I say, I got up here first things first. So Romans 10, beginning in verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says... Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So, you know, Paul begins there in verse 14. Uh, how are they going to believe if they hadn't heard? And then how are they going to hear unless someone tells them? You know, so that's kind of the steps he goes through there. Uh, and so, again, we're talking about hearing, uh, and he's, he's laying out that uh, you cannot believe unless you've heard. Uh, so you've got to hear the gospel and if you look at verse 17 he tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God and so you've got to hear that word uh, and what word are we looking to hear we're looking to hear the word of God that's the only way that we get to the belief end or the, or the faith uh, side of this and again Matt's going to cover that in the next lesson go to Acts chapter 11 Acts chapter 11 I think in some ways um, the world around us, and maybe even we get to thinking about this, thinking this from time to time that you know something uh, outrageous is going to happen. Something uh, is going to be 
extraordinary maybe. Maybe that's how God saves people. Maybe that's how He, he works. Um, I think what you'll find in our New Testament is it's, it's a lot more simple than that. Uh, like he says, like Paul says there in Romans, is that you know the Lord's going to send a preacher so that you can hear His word. Uh, and if you hear, uh, the only way to believe is to have heard. But uh, it's, it seems to be pretty straightforward and simple in that way. That seems to be what, uh, especially in the Book of Acts, if you read through these conversion stories about uh, people uh, learning the gospel, uh, it, it is a pretty simple uh, message or pretty simple. Um, what am I trying to say? Not message, but pretty simple process, you may say, for someone uh, knowing what to do to be saved or to, to be in that right relationship. If you look at Acts 11, beginning in verse 12, and the Spirit told me, of course, this is Peter recounting. If you uh, Chapter 11 is the story of Cornelius. Uh, and you have uh, Cornelius uh, sending men uh, to Joppa to get Peter. Peter has his vision. Peter goes down. He goes and preaches to Cornelius. And when you get to chapter 11, it's, it's Peter recounting what happens there in chapter 10. Uh, so go to, again, chapter, Acts 11, verse 12. Then the Spirit told me to go with them, doubting nothing. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. All right, so just, again, a little bit of backstory. Then the Spirit told me to go with them. The them is the, those that Cornelius sent to him, all right? Uh, and then uh, he's saying that there were six brethren that were with him. They accompanied Peter to go down to see Cornelius uh, at his house. So the man's house is Cornelius' house, okay? Verse 13, And he told us, he being Cornelius, Cornelius told us how he had seen an angel standing in his house and said to him, Send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who will tell you words by which you and your household will be saved. All right, so think, think a minute about this story. Um, Cornelius has an angel come to him. And, but what does the angel say? All right, well, send men down to Joppa to get Peter to come down here and tell you the gospel. That's what he says. So Peter, uh, he tells him there, who will tell you words by which you, by which your house, you and your household will be saved. All right? So think about that for a minute. The angel didn't save him. The angel didn't preach it to him. All right? So, again, you think about the process in which the Lord has set forth for those to know Him. Think back to 2 Thessalonians, to know Him, to obey the gospel. What is that process He set in place? He set in place that a preacher is going to be sent so that you can hear and so that you can believe. All right? And that's what He says here again. Peter is going to tell you words by which you must be saved. He's going to tell you the message. He's going to tell you about the gospel. And you are to obey that message uh, that Peter delivers to you. Go to John chapter 12. John chapter 12, beginning in verse 46. Of course, this is Jesus speaking. John chapter 12, beginning in verse 46. I have come as a light into the world, that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. And if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I judge. I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He rejects me and does not receive my words, has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. All right? So, again, Jesus is saying here that the words that he's spoken is what's going to judge you. All right? It's going to judge me. It's going to judge you. It's going to judge them. Uh, it's the words. All right? It's, it's pretty simple. 
is, is uh, the message that he delivered. That's what's going to judge us. Go to Revelation. I think it's important to to think through that you know we we have up here that you need to hear. You know, again, that's the first kind of step is you uh, you need to hear the gospel. But just hearing it uh, or just having words spoken to you does not necessarily mean that that you're going to hear it. And so, kind of. The next set of verses I want to think through and, and, and uh, look at some verses that deal with what a spiritual hearing look like, uh, not just uh, physical hearing, but spiritual hearing. What does that maybe look like? And if you look in the book of Revelation, beginning in chapter two and through chapter three, you know, it's these message to the churches. Um, you know, he starts out in chapter two and verse one to the angel of the church of Ephesus. I, uh, right. These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tasted those who say that they are they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have preserved and have patience and have labored for my name's sake, and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from whom you have fallen. Repent. And do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. But, but this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. And so, you know, again, this, these are, this is just the one message to Ephesus, but it's in every message to all the churches. He, he says this phrase, uh, verse 7 of chapter 1, Verse 11, verse 17, verse 29, chapter 3, verse 6, 13, and 22. So he says it in every message to each church. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Does anybody that he's speaking to not have ears? No, that's not what he's saying. All right? uh, he, he's, he's basically appealing to them to take the message, to receive the message. They're going to hear it physically, but it's this act of, of actually heeding it. Uh, and again, he says this to each church. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let's go back to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. Let's read the parable that's over and then we'll read Jesus' explanation to it. Let's, let's begin in verse 4. And when a great multitude had gathered and they had come to him from every city, he spoke by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock. As soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and, and choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold. When he said these things, he cried, He who has, an e- he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Again, anybody think the folks there didn't have ears? No, they all had ears. You've got to think about what he's meaning there uh, by that phrase. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Then his disciples, verse 9, asked him, saying, What does this parable mean? And he, and he said, To you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it has been given in parables, that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Verse 11, the parable, uh, Jesus explains it to him. Now the parable is this, The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe 
and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who when they hear receive the word with joy and these have no root who believe for a while and in, a, in time of temptation fall away. Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who when they have heard go out and are choked with cares, riches and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who having heard the word with a noble and good heart keep it and bear fruit with patience. All right? So he's talking about you know, the, the seed is, is the word being spoken. That's the word of God being, being preached, you may say. It's being sent forth. Uh, and he's outlining the different, uh, you know, you may say, methods of hearing or what happens to those that, that do hear. All right? uh, and so you have those that are choked out by the word. You have the rocky soil, the wayside, and then those that fell among thorns. And then you have the good ground are those who having heard the word. So they hear the word being preached. They've got a good and noble heart. Uh, they take these things in, they keep it, and they bear fruit with patience. And, of course, those others uh, fall away. All, all of the other soils fall away. So there's only one of those soils that takes it in, that, that truly hears it, heeds it, uh, and does it. And then i got here Proverbs 8 and verse 34. It's on the screen here. Blessed is a man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors. And so, you know, he, he's saying here that, you know, it takes some effort on, on our part uh, to, to be the one that listens, to be the one that hears. We've got to be uh, here. He's waiting daily at the gates. He's waiting at the post of my door. So he, he's, he's seeking it out. He's wanting to hear it. Go to Acts 2. Acts chapter 2. And in verse 41, this is after Peter's sermon there um, in Acts 2. Uh, Peter gives his sermon uh, to those at uh, Pentecost. Verse 41, it says, Those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And so what we know is those, these are the folks that heard the sermon uh, preached there uh, by Peter. Uh, and it says they gladly received his word. All right? And so that's, you know, think back to, uh, Luke chapter 8, talking about the parable of the sower. That's going to be uh, the good and noble hearts are those that receive His Word. We also have to sift out the truth. Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. Let's begin there in verse 10. Acts 17 and in verse 10. Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. And so we see here that you know, Paul and Silas are going to the synagogue. Uh, they're uh, obviously preaching uh, the word. We see, we see that because it says in verse 11 and that they received the word. Uh, those in, in uh, uh, Berea, they, they were receiving the word. Um, it was preached to them by Paul and Silas. So the, they're hearing it, they're receiving it, and then what are they doing? They're trying to figure out, are these things true? They're searching the Scriptures daily to find, find out whether these things were so. So they're trying to verify, uh, are these things the truth or not? 1 Thessalonians 2.
1 Thessalonians 2 and in verse 13. For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. Alright, and so you know, Paul's telling uh, the Thessalonians there um, you know, that he's thanking God because that when they heard the word, they received it, they received the word of God, uh, which they'd spoken to them, and you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. And so, again, they had to sift out uh, to know if this was the word of God or not, but Paul's telling them he's thankful that they did. They received it, and they obeyed it. The scriptures, you know, uh, you think about what Jesus says about those the words that he uh, spoke, those would judge him. Think back to what we talked about, about Peter and Cornelius, uh, that, that Peter was going to teach words uh, by which him and his household would be saved. All right? well, I think it's important for us to note that the scriptures truly are uh, sufficient. They were sufficient then and they're still uh, sufficient uh, now to save us, these words that we have in front of us. Uh, they are uh, sufficient uh, for all that we need. Second Timothy 3, beginning in verse 14. 2 Timothy 3, beginning in verse 14. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing, that whom you, knowing from whom you have heard, learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. All right, and so, you know, Paul's writing to Timothy here uh, and telling him, uh, continue in the things that you've learned, continue in the things that you've heard, uh, and be assured of them. Uh, In fact, from childhood, uh, somebody would have had to have taught him the Holy Scriptures there. He's saying that you've known these things from childhood. And then, of course, he tells us in verse 16 that all the Scripture is given from God, from uh, God-breathed, if you will, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Uh, and then he, follow, he uh, ends up there uh, as the conclusion that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So the Scriptures uh, equip us for every good work. The Scriptures make us complete. They make us whole. They are sufficient uh, for all that we need. Second Peter. Second Peter, beginning in chapter one and verse two. Second Peter one, verse two. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. And so, you know, he says here, uh, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So anything that pertains to life and godliness, we have. Uh, And how? Through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. And so, that's through the knowledge. So through hearing. How do you get knowledge? You you get it through hearing. Uh, Go to Jude. Jude and in verse 3. Jude and in verse 3. Beloved, While I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. And so he's telling us there that these things were once for all delivered. You have them. 
uh, they're complete. Luke 16. is a story of the rich man and Lazarus but there's there's some there's a couple of verses in here I want us to uh, think about in, in this context that we're speaking this morning about the uh, the Bible being sufficient uh, the words that we have uh, being sufficient to save us us hearing those things we're going to read the whole story but there's a few verses there towards the end that I want us to focus on Luke 16 and in verse 19. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried, and being in torment in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off, and Lazarus, Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your life, your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus the evil things. But now he is comforted, and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot nor can those from there pass to us. Then he said, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded though one rise from the dead. To me, this like these last few verses are very powerful, and, and uh, I guess in some ways a little um, telling for all of us. And they need to make us all kind of pay attention, I think, because you know you think about this story, and uh, the rich man is—he's just wanting Lazarus to—he's uh, asking uh, Abraham to send Lazarus back. I've got brothers; I do not want them to come to this place. Send Lazarus back. Tell him to warn my brothers. And Abraham says, no. He's got Moses and the prophets. Uh, he says in verse 29, let them, his brothers, hear them, which is Moses and the prophets. And he says he says to him in verse 30, uh, or verse 31, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. All right. So you think about what Abraham's saying, and he's saying... Look, what God's already spoken is sufficient. That is what will save them. If they, and if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, they're not going to listen to Lazarus. If, he raises, if, he, if I send him back from the dead, they're not going to listen to him. So he, what, what the Lord has already delivered, you, they need to be heeding that word. And that's the message for us too, is that God's word has been spoken. We need to be busy listening and trying to receive it and hearing it. That needs to be what we need to be doing uh, and that uh, it's sufficient to save us as we've already talked about. And go to Hebrews 1. my mind, this kind of ties along with this. Hebrews uh, chapter 1 beginning in verse 1. 
God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by His Son, whom He has appointed heir of all things, through whom also He made the worlds, who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person, and upholding all things by the word of His power, when He had by Himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels as He has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. And so he's telling us there that, you know, in times past, um, God spoke to the fathers uh, by the prophets, uh, but in the last time has spoken to us by his son. So he's, he's, given us, he's given us his son. He's spoken to us by his son, Jesus. We have that message before us. Uh, and then look at what he says in chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Therefore, of course he's referencing back to chapter 1, Therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at first began to, to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. And so... He's telling us there that, you know, look, the word spoken through angels proved steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received that, that just reward through that. How do you think you're going to escape if you neglect what, what the Lord's spoken, what Jesus has spoken? How do you think uh, you're going to escape that greatest salvation uh, if you're not going to listen to that? And he's saying, you know, basically... He's adding on that God also, I mean, He bore witness to this with signs, wonders, various miracles, the Holy Spirit, gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, so He's saying, if you don't heed this word, uh, it's going to be worse for you. Uh, because if it all, if everything that He spoke before, you know, if you think back to Moses and the prophets and the angels here, if those things uh, prove steadfast uh, and those living under those times receive their just reward, being disobedient to them, what do you think is going to happen to you if you neglect Jesus and you don't heed His word uh, and the words which He has spoken to us? I'd like for us to conclude back in the book of Acts. I didn't know if we'd have time or not to read these, but I would like to read them and think, think through uh, two sermons, uh, one spoken by Peter, one spoken by Stephen, and then how uh, the different people responded uh, to these sermons, uh, and think about our, our discussion this morning of, of hearing, uh, spiritually hearing uh, the Word, and that Word having the power uh, to save. Go to Acts chapter 2, beginning there in verse 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his body according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne. He, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of the Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out uh, this which you now see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he says... Himself, the Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know surely that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. So you think about what took place here. You know, Peter stands up, he delivers his sermon, he essentially tells them, you know, look, uh, y'all, uh, y'all killed the Holy One. Y'all killed Jesus. Uh, you're the ones that murdered him. That's what he tells them here. Uh, verse 36, Therefore let, let all the house of Israel know surely that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. What happens to them? They hear this message. Uh, it says there, verse 37, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? So that's the power of the word, is to cut, cut, cut your heart, cut my heart, uh, cut their heart. Uh, and they asked the right questions. They realized when they when they heard the word, they realized that they had that they were responsible for this, and that Jesus' uh, blood had the power. And they said, "What shall we do?" You know. And of course, Peter tells them, "There, repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit." And then he says there in verse forty, and with many other words he testified and exhorted them. And so he keeps he keeps preaching. You know, he says with many other words, and so he's continuing to. Uh, speak to him. Verse 41, Then those who gladly received his words were baptized. Go to chapter 7. Kind of a lengthy, lengthy reading. I've got to get a sip of water before I read that. So, Excuse me, I'm sorry. But chapter 7, beginning in verse 1, 
chapter 7 of Acts, beginning of verse 1, Then the highest priest said, Are these things so? And he said, Brethren and fathers, listen, the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he dwelt in Haran, and said to him, Get out of your country and from your relatives, and come to a land that I will show you. Then he came out of the land of the Chaldeans and dwelt in Haran, and from there, when his father was dead, he moved him to this land in which you now dwell. And God gave him no inheritance in it, not even enough to set his foot on. But even when Abraham had no child, he promised to give it to him for a possession and to his descendants after him. But God spoke in this way, that his descendants would dwell in a foreign land and that they would bring them into bondage and oppress them 400 years. All the nation and that nation to whom they will be in bondage, I will judge, said God. And after that, they shall come out and serve me in this place. Then he gave him the covenant of circumcision. And so Abraham begot Isaac and circumcised him on the eighth day. And Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob begot the twelve patriarchs. And the patriarchs, becoming envious, sold Joseph into Egypt. But God was with him and delivered him out of his troubles and gave him favor and wisdom in the presence of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he made him governor over Egypt and all his house. Now famine and great trouble came over all the land of Egypt and Canaan, and our fathers found no substance. But when Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent out uh, our fathers first. And the second time, Joseph was, was made known to his brothers, and Joseph's family became known to the Pharaoh. Then Joseph sent, sent and called his father Jacob and all his relatives to him, 75 people. So Jacob went down to Egypt, and he died, he and our fathers. And they were carried back to Shechem, and laid in the tomb that Abraham bought for a sum of money from the sons of Hamar, the father of Shechem. But when the time of the promise drew near with God, drew near which God had sworn to Abraham, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt, till another king arose who did not know Joseph. This man dealt treacherously with our people and oppressed them, oppressed our forefathers, making them expose their babies so that they might not live. At this time Moses was born and was well pleasing to God, and he was brought up in his father's house for three months. But when he was set out, Pharaoh's daughter took him away and brought him up as her own son. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. Now when he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended and avenged him who was oppressed and struck down the Egyptian. For he supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand. But they did not understand. And the next day he appeared to two, to two of them as they were fighting and tried to reconcile them, saying, Men, you are brethren. Why do you wrong one another? But he who, he who did his neighbor wrong pushed him away, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you did the Egyptian yesterday? Then at this saying Moses fled and became a dweller in the land of Midian, where he had two sons. And when forty years had passed, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in a bush in the wilderness of Mount Sinai. When Moses saw it, he marveled at the sight, and as he drew near to observe the voice of the Lord, the voice of the Lord came to him, saying, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses trembled and dared not look. Then the Lord said to him, Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and have learned their groaning heard their groaning, and have come down to deliver them. And now, come, I will send you to Egypt. This Moses, whom you, whom they rejected, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge? 
is the one God sent to be a ruler and, and a deliverer and a deliverer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. He brought them out after he had shown wonders and signs in the land of Egypt and in the Red Sea and in the wilderness forty years. This is that Moses who said to the children of Israel, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren, whom him you shall hear. This is he who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai and with our fathers, the one who received the living oracles to give to us, whom our fathers would not obey but rejected. And in their hearts they turned back to Egypt, saying to Aaron, Make us gods to go before us. And as for this Moses who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And they made a calf in those days, offered sacrifices to the idol, and rejoiced in the works of their own hands. Then God turned and gave them up to worship the host of heaven, as it is written in the book of the prophets. Did you offer me slaughtered animals and sacrifices during forty years in the wilderness, O house of Israel? You also took up the tabernacle of Moloch and the star of your god Remphan, images which you made to worship, and I will carry you away beyond Babylon. Our fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness as he appointed, instructing Moses to make it according to the pattern that he had seen, which our fathers, having received it in turn, also brought with Joshua into the land possessed by the Gentiles, whom God drove out before the face of our fathers until the days of, Je- of David, who found favor before God and asked to find a dwelling for the God of Jacob. But Solomon built him a house. However, the Most High does not dwell in temples made with hands, as the, as the prophet says. Heaven is my throne, and, in er- and earth is my footstool. What house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Has my hand not made all these things? You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold of the, of, foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. All right, and so think back to what Stephen has said. He started at the very beginning, basically. Walks through Abraham, um, uh, Isaac, Jacob, Moses. Talks about David and Solomon. Uh, he's given them their history, uh, and then he he you know kind of sums it up here. Look, uh, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. All right, so he's telling, them, look, you're not listening. You know, you're not hearing. Uh, uh, you you always resist the Holy Spirit, as your fathers did. So do you. All right. Uh, and how are they resisting them? They're resisting them because they're not willing to hear. They're not willing to uh, take it in. Um, verse 54, When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed at him with their teeth. All right? And think back to Acts chapter 2. Those folks were cut at the heart too. All right? Well, how did they respond? They responded, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Uh, these folks here responded, gnashing with their teeth. Verse 55, but he, being full of the Holy Spirit, that being Stephen, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, Look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and ran at him with one accord, and they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And, and the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul, and they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with the sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. All right, it says there, verse 57, they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and ran at him with one accord. 
Alright. So essentially, you know, at least in my mind, when I think of these two stories, I, I see it as uh, an option for all of us. You know, you think back to the parable of the sower, you know, so what heart is the word falling on? The message was the same. Peter delivered basically the same message as Stephen, uh, but you know, you see the response in chapter two, and then you see the response in chapter seven. Alright? So the question for me and for you is am I, am I going to have the heart when I hear the message of God? Am I going to have the heart that receives it? And I want to know how do I respond? How do I, uh, do, am I the one asking what shall we do? How do I become in that relationship with God? Uh, or am I the one that when I hear the word, when I hear something I don't like that's uh, from the word, do I stop my ears like these folks did? Uh, I find that interesting, that worrying, stop their ears. You know, they, I get the image just, you know, a kid sticking their fingers in their ears. You know, I'm not listening to this. Uh, that's the image I get. They're done. They're not listening to any more of this, and they're certainly not taking it in uh, and responding in the way uh, that they should. I hope these, um, this lesson was helpful for you. It's certainly helpful for me to be uh, reminded of... Uh, you know what? What does it mean to truly hear the word of God? We know that uh, you know it, it's by these words that we that we know the truth that we can be saved by it. And so, uh, you know, I, I guess if anyone has any questions or comments, you know, we'll, we'll cover that uh, in the next hour. And if not, we'll talk about uh, the next step, uh, which would be believing the words that that are delivered or that that have been delivered uh, to us. So. Uh, but if there's any need by any of the ones here uh, that need to uh, be baptized into, into Christ or that need the prayers of the saints uh, here, we'd be happy to pray with you, pray for you in any way that we can. Uh, if you'd come forward while we stand and sing.